Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. We're going to start a series for the next six weeks called This is Journey. And uh, what we will be spending our time doing is defining who we are as a church, defining who we are as a, a body that Christ has put together, that Jesus has, has put together, so that we can make a difference in this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're not a church that's going to um, um, be passive about uh, our mission. We're a church that's going to actually be aggressive about our mission. And not, not like militant, like, yeah, you know, in, get together and bang heads and all that kind of stuff. We're, we're going to love this community um, and, and come alongside this community in its journey and bring Jesus with us. And when we do that, Jesus makes the difference. That's what's super exciting about what we're talking about. And today I'm super excited to talk to you about what Journey's, Journey Church Ventura's passion is going to be and is um, from my heart to yours and uh, what I believe God is calling us as a church to be. When we understand our passions, when we understand what is the, the, the driving force inside of us, then we can begin to realize why we make some of the decisions we make. Do you realize that? That there are often, if you think about your life, your, your life and your decisions and many of the things that you spend time doing, are, 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 you're doing them because of the passion that you have inside of you. And you might not define it as a passion. You might not define it as, as something that is significant. But if it's significant enough to d- direct your course, it's your passion. If it's significant enough to drive you in a direction or drive you in a behavioral way or drive you in the way you spend your money or your time, your energy or, or the relationships that you get into, then it's likely a passion not just a a habit, not just a thing that's going on in your life, but it's something that's driving you. And what we want as a church is to develop the passion inside of us that will motivate us and move us to the behavior of, of what Jesus would do in this planet, in this life, in this community in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our, in our social moments, uh, that we would not just have a passion uh, for anything in this world that comes along, but that we would have a passion to be more like Christ wherever we go, wherever we go. So the big thought for this entire series, and you'll hear this for the next six weeks, is this statement right here. Journey Church Ventura is a church who is unapologetically committed to the heartbeat of biblical mission, of the biblical mission of reaching people who have yet to experience the love, grace, and forgiveness of Jesus while growing together to become more like Christ. All right, we got one. Yeah, yeah. Journey Church Ventura is a church who is unapologetically, and I love that word because we're just not going to make, I'm not going to make apologies for being passionate about the mission of God. Hopefully you'll never make an apology about being passionate about the mission of God and that we are going to unapologetically uh, be committed to the heartbeat of the biblical mission. The Bible is the one who will always drive our thoughts, our behavior, and our activities. Amen? 
I was, saying, I was saying to our first impressions group, by the way, which was a massive circle this morning, which was great, and the circle of people who make church happen on Sunday mornings, and, uh, and, and it's great, and I appreciate so much all the volunteers that are involved, but um, I was telling them this morning that uh, we don't want new revelation. We don't want revelation that is, is, is brand spanking new because the Bible is the sole source of revelation. I, I want to make that really clear. The, what, when, when I preach, when anyone else in this pulpit preaches um, under my, my leadership, we are always going to make sure that what we're preaching is the Bible and what the Bible says and the study of the Bible and the depth of the Bible, but not some crazy, weird new revelations. If you're hanging out with people that I got this new revelation, it sounds kind of creepy and weird. It probably is creepy and weird. Because the truth of the Bible is what Jesus, he's given us a revelation of his word, of himself in his word. And all he wants us to do is know his word and become more like him. And so that's why I put in here biblical mission. We want to be on the biblical mandate that God has given us to be more like Jesus to, this, to, this, uh, to the people and community of this, uh, of this area. And so I'm excited that it's a biblical mission of reaching people who have yet to experience the love, grace, and forgiveness of Jesus while growing together to become more like Christ. That whole passage, we will, that, that whole statement there at the end, we will focus on next week on a, on a much deeper level. But this week, I want uh, to, to, to talk about our passion, the direction, or the heartbeat of what um, I believe Journey Church Ventura is going to be all about. So let me ask you this question again, just so you get it, kind of evaluate, start evaluating in your heart. What drives your decisions? What drives your choice to spend time? What drives your choice to spend your money? What drives your energy to uh, hang out with different people that you hang out with? What is the driving force behind that? If, and, and by the way, if uh, you think this, this works just for church. It's going to work for you at your workplace, you at your, uh, in your relationship, in your marriage. All these, this idea of passion is going to work wherever you want to apply passions to. Like if, you, if you're passionate about building circuit boards, um, you'll find out that you spend more time and energy and even money building circuit boards than you probably do anything else. And if you get a focus on that, you could build some pretty amazing circuit boards. And some people in our, in our history have focused on electricity or computers or all these kinds of things. They become passions and ended up making some pretty incredible things. We do that with the mission of the church and we can do some pretty incredible things as well. So the big question is, how do we as a church set priorities for our future? How do, how do we as a church, how does we as a Journey Church Ventura set priorities for our future? There's three things that we speak about when we talk about priorities or values. And that is time. It's, it's, the beautiful thing about time is we all have an equal amount of it. Right? And if you have more, let me know how you did that. Okay, you're playing with some time machine or something. Um, that would be very, very cool. Um, but most of us, if not all of us, have the same amount of time, 24 hours a day. 
Seven days a week, 365 days a year. There's nothing different about that for all of us. So our time budget, we can all talk about that on an equal level, right? Um, the money budget is a different thing, okay? All of us have different amounts of money, and that's okay. What I love about Scripture is that Scripture tells us to work in percentages, not in uh, equal amounts, Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, I want you to give $10,000 a month, everybody? Okay, isn't that great? All he said is, I want you to give 10% of your gross earnings or your, your first fruits of your labors. I want you to do that. And whatever that is, is, is a, a beautiful expression of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's called your tithe. And then your offerings, whatever God puts on your heart. There's no set amount. And I love that because that's between you and God. And that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. And I like, I like the way he did that because he gives us all different amounts to work with. And yet the same faith it takes to tithe. It's all 10%, right? It's all the same amount of faith that it takes to tithe. And so it's a, it's a beautiful expression of how God deals with money and then relationships. Those are three key things. Time, money, relationships. Those are the things that really um, are part of, uh, if you look at your life, I could tell you what is important to you by the way you spend your time. I could, look, I could tell you what's important to you by the way you spend your money. You look at my checkbook, you'd see like restaurant, restaurant. Fast food, restaurant, restaurant yeah. shopping at Vallarta, <laughs> pan dulce, pan dulce, pan dulce, okay? Um, it's, it's a bad habit, okay? What's, what's my passion? Food, all right? Um, or if I looked at your relationships, I could tell you what's important to you. And some of those might be really messed up, but it still would tell me what's important to you. I came to a place um, where I would, uh, when I was a, a, young, a younger parent, when, when my kids were just starting to get into that stage where they kind of understood what was going on, um, I, I was praying. I said, Lord, how do I, how do I get to that place where I um, am not going to have any regrets with my kids? How do I get to that place? And, and I decided that what I would try and do I didn't, I didn't perfect this. I still don't perfect this. But what I tried to do is if my daughter came to me and said, Daddy, will you play with me? I would ask the question, am I going to regret doing what I'm doing or doing what they wanted to do? And if you're a young parent in here or a parent-to-be, or even if you're a grandparent, you'll never regret this. Or, or If you take this seriously, you'll learn that, man, it's one of the best things you can do. Because every time I would say, okay, I'm watching a show. My daughter's just asking me to play. And am I going to regret watching the show or am I going to regret? I'll never regret playing with my daughter or reading a book or helping with, you know, or, or doing whatever. And so I did that as much as I could. I, I, I didn't perfect it. There were times where I, I, I look back and I go, oh, you know, lost some time there and regretted that. But the beauty of it is, is that if you'll just take that moment and say, I will not regret doing this. And I've, I've put that into my life now, where um, at work or here at the church, will I regret doing this or am I going to regret doing this? 
And um, there's so many things that I would not regret doing that I end up doing because of that question. And uh, it's, it's a great way to live without regret. And so it's a good way to make choices. Um, what happens, though, when we allow life to drive our values and priorities rather than priorities or things that we set in our hearts? And, and this is where I, I think most of us unfortunately live, is that we kind of let life drive us rather than let priorities and values that we set drive our lives. And too many people live this way. And, and unfortunately, we, we weren't taught, maybe as a, as a young person or um, maybe as, as a young person now that you are a young adult um, or a young parent or high schooler, junior high, or whatever, um, you aren't being taught that what you need to do in your life to really go the direction that God wants you to go is to set the values and priorities in your life. Don't let life do that for you. Set those values, set those priorities. What happens when we don't? We let the, the wind of life just pushes us back and forth. If you listen to TV and you listen to the ads on TV and you buy all the makeup and all the goo and gunk that you're supposed to do to make yourself look as beautiful as everybody thinks you should look, you're going to spend a lot more money on things rather than allowing yourself to look beautiful. Just the way you are. I'm not against makeup and I'm not against all those things, but it, there's, there's, a, there's a plan that this world wants to tell you and that you're ugly and that... I'm serious, right? I mean, it used to be that, man, you can pick up girls if you just wear Stetson. I splash that stuff all over me. Not a girl would come within 10 feet of me. I stunk. We shift with our wind, the winds of the culture when we don't have a set of values or priorities set in our lives. We begin to value what others think rather than what God thinks. And I think that's true of churches often is that we begin to make comparisons to other churches and we begin to, to look at other churches or we find these fads. And I've been in ministry for 35 years and I've seen it all. I've seen at least most of it. And uh, you, can, you can try this, what this church is doing. You can try what this church is doing. and You can try what that church is doing. There's some really good principles out there without question. There's some good conferences to go to and pick up from. But if... if you, we as a church don't find out who we are and what we're meant to be for this community, then we will not reach this community. We will just simply spend our time trying to mimic others. And that's not healthy. And that's not the way to work. And that's not the best way to grow ourselves, even as individuals. If you're making comparisons about who you are compared to other people, that's not fair. God's made you unique and, 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 and significant and important. And man, there's just one thing that, that we have to learn is to grow okay with our skin, who God has made us to be. And when we figure that out, it's a beautiful thing to be yourself. It's a beautiful thing to be you. The best person that God ever made you to be was you. Not like somebody else. Yes, there's good principles in other people and we can learn from those, but don't be anybody but yourself. Anybody but yourself. And then uh, another challenge if we don't set priorities is we begin to protect rather than invest. We begin to protect the past rather than invest in the future. 
know, how many say this uh, occasionally that um, we're, we're a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints? And I say that because I, I always want to keep in front of my mind the idea that we are not preservationists. We're not here to preserve and to protect and to, 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 to sanitize the, the, the environment so much so that nothing can uh, disturb what, uh, what we, we, we hold um, valuable. It's going to be messy. Ministry is messy. Ministry is messy. Why? Because every time I look in the mirror, there's the first problem. There's one human being that's going to make a mistake, one human being that's going to think he's got it all together, one human being who, who doesn't know everything. And what's beautiful is collectively we can get it done. Apart, we can't, but collectively we can. And when we put ministry together and we do ministry right, it's messy, but it's powerful. And it's healing. And it's a beautiful expression of what God desires for his church. And so I want to read this passage of Scripture to you out of Romans chapter 15. And uh, as we talk about the church and its passion, and our passion is as Journey Church Ventura, I just want to remind you that you can apply these same principles to your own life, to your own business, to your own company, to your own family, the same principles. It's really, really important. So what we find in Romans chapter 15 is Paul talking to the Romans. The Romans are, are, are a bunch of Gentiles that uh, Paul has been called to reach and to touch. And he has established a church in, in the Roman Empire, and he's writing to those, those people. And he says in verse 14 of chapter 15, he says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. This is the kind of uh, a positive speak he's speaking into the church. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Jesus of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Here's a passage of scripture that Paul is purely saying, this is who I am, this is what I've done, and here is is, is my value. Then he says in verse 17, therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So all he's saying is I'm, I'm boldly saying that what I have done, I have done in obedience to God. And then he says, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. I hope that someday you and I can say one thing as a church, and that is we have fully proclaimed the gospel to Ventura and to Ojai and to Camarillo and to Oxnard and to wherever God is going to extend our arms. Hopefully we can say this very same thing, that we have done everything to obey the call of God to, to proclaim Christ to this community. Okay, and here is our passion verse. If, if I define this in any way, shape, or form, this is our passion passage, if you will. Romans 15, 20 through 22. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. 
Rather, it, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. This is our passion verse. Let me read it one more time because this is where I hope uh, you'll, you'll take it home, you'll put it on your refrigerator, your mirror, someplace, and you'll read it consistently because this is going to uh, affect the very heart and nature of our church, Journey Church Ventura. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. Why did Paul say this to the Romans? Why did Paul help the Romans understand what he was about? Why did Paul have to uh, explain himself? And here's why I believe. He, He had to explain himself because he had to make clear that his role in his ministry and the calling that God placed on his life was all about him being an apostle. An apostle was a person, if you're unfamiliar with scripture and, and, and maybe the definition of an apostle, an apostle was what we would call a modern day missionary. Someone who would go into places where it's uncomfortable, where it's awkward, where it's maybe a different language or maybe a different culture, and they would go and they would reach people that other people weren't reaching and so he was an apostle he was a guy that would go into communities that hadn't heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ or didn't have an effective uh, a church in their community and he would set that up and then he would develop leaders he would disciple people and uh, as those people became qualified then he would set them up as leaders elders of the church or pastors of the church and then he would leave that church to that pastor and that group of people and that's what he had done in Rome and he wasn't showing up in Rome he wasn't coming back to them like he had hoped to he wasn't coming back to them like uh like they wanted him to he's like hey our apostle is missing our apostle hasn't shown up why what's going on it doesn't he care about us anymore And what he had to do was explain to them that although he cared about them, he cared about something more. He cared about something more. And so he defines himself in Galatians 2, and we'll get back to that, uh, explain he cared about something more in just a minute. But he defines himself as an apostle in Galatians chapter 2. He says, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. So there was two apostles. He's addressing himself as Paul the apostle and Peter the apostle. Paul the apostle was uh, called to minister to Gentiles or the uncircumcised people. And Peter was called to preach to the circumcised or the Jews of their day. And so, and then he says in verse 8, For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. And I make this point because I think it's important to understand that what Paul is explaining is that he is defining who he is to the Romans to help them understand that he has a purpose that has to be fulfilled. And when that purpose is fulfilled, then he is set free to go visit the Romans. 
And so he says, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, or Peter, John, those esteemed as pillars, those apostles, uh, gave me and Barnabas, Barnabas was uh, Paul's mentor, and <clears throat> gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Fortunately, it wasn't the right foot of fellowship. The right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me or the calling that Paul had on his life. All of us have a unique grace. All of us have a unique calling. I want to make this one point really clear. I don't believe in this. I, I think I can make this a, a theological argument easily in Scripture that all of us, every person in this room, has a calling. A unique calling based on your identity in Christ to fulfill in the purpose of reaching people for Christ. And if we will spend enough time, and I don't think it has to be years and years, but I think if we will spend enough time understanding the skin that Jesus has put us in and the giftings and abilities that he's given us, and we commit to use those giftings and abilities to further his kingdom, the church will grow. Unfortunately, the church spends way too much time trying to learn about it than do anything with it. Now, I'm just letting you know as your pastor, I'm not going to be okay with that. We're not, we're not going to have just forever discipleship experiences where you sit and learn and don't do anything with what you learn. We would never be okay with that with our kids. If our kids grew up and they continued to just say, well, I'm not grown up enough to work. Okay. We're gonna, you're going to learn <laughs> how grown up you really are. <laughs> Get out, you know. Uh, I don't know if I could ever do that. But um, it would be, you know, we'd never be satisfied with that, right? And And... Here's, here's the, the amazing part of, of church is that we can all grow together. But we're growing to be productive for the kingdom. We're not growing so that we can just kind of get chubby and okay with being kind of spiritual chubby people. Right? Amen? You guys with me? All right? Okay. Um, we're, we're growing so that we can uh, do great things for God. And then uh, the very end of that passage that Paul says to the Galatians, he says, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So there was this, this, this okay with who they were. Okay? So now we get back to the Romans passage and Romans 15 and what we will call our passion passage. Our passion passage. And he says this, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. This was a, a built into uh, uh, Paul's heart when he first became a Christian. It was built into the idea that he was not called to uh, people that were already saved or already uh, found by God. He was being called to people that were not found yet. And this Journey Church Ventura has been called to people who are not yet found. I love Christian people. And I'm so glad. If you have been found in this room. 
and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, awesome. Welcome to the mission to reach others that have yet to be found. That's what it's all about. Amen? Okay, good. That's what it's all about. It has always been our ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Let's make this our own. Paul wanted to assure himself of mission efficiency or mission focus. In other words, he understood what was so important to be effective in this world, and that is to know what you're called to. Know what you're called to. And we will make every effort as a church, I will make every effort as your pastor to help you discover your role in the kingdom. But my goal, my passion, my, my, my desire is to see that 100% of us are involved in the mission. Most churches, it's only 20%. Most dying churches, it's only 5 5% of the church is involved and the rest of the church is going, we're just waiting to die so we can go to heaven. What an unpleasant experience. There's no fun in that. Let's take some chances. Let's take some risks. Let's do something to reach people for Jesus. Amen? And let's have some fun doing it. And I think it'll be a blast. When a church understands and commits to its reason for being, it is unstoppable. I like what this one lady said, Margaret Wheatley. She said, there is no power for change greater than a community discovering what it cares about. <laughs> what do we care about? What do we care about? What, what, what matters? What's driving us? What's driving us as a church? I, I study church uh, as, as, as a profession, my, 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 my role in life is to understand what makes church work. And, and I do that, and I, I study, I read, I pray, I seek God. Most importantly, I, I, I look at his scripture, and, I, and, and we find out that what really makes a church work is understanding what it's, what it's there for, who we are. If we don't know who we are, then we'll become whatever the wind blows. And that's true of us as individuals, and that's true of us as a church. And so let's understand who we are. The power, there is no power for change greater than a community discovering what it cares about. My, my big question is, what do we care about? And then Paul goes on to say, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. This is a really interesting piece of information. He's not saying, I don't like what other foundations were built. He just doesn't want to go where foundations were built already. He realizes that there are people out there that have no foundation in their lives. They have no knowledge. They have no understanding. Or they have a warped experience with, with church. There's some uh, interesting words that, that church growth people use today. There's the unchurched, people that have never been to church. There's the de-churched. And then there's the churched. And the church are uh, what uh, in church growth world are people that are like stuck. And then there's the, the missional group. So there's the church, the unchurched, the dechurched. And the dechurched are, are some of the most broken people in the world because they came to church, got hurt or messed up, and left. And now they have this really ugly picture of not only uh, uh, Christianity, but God. 
and, and they have this really warped picture. And the, de- the, the unchurched are the people that are easily, uh, more easily reached because they don't have a perspective of that. They haven't been to church. They don't know Jesus. And if we, if we plant the seeds right, then it, it'll grow. In the de-churched, you have to kind of break through the barrier of that hurt and that pain. And uh, if you're, you've been here uh, and you, you've been hurt, then you know what it's like. You know what it's like to go through a difficult church experience or have some disappointments in the church. And uh, man, you got to overcome all that to get back to a healthy place in your relationship with God, right? And so, um, and then there's the church. And that church group is, is usually that church that's preserving and that has become a museum more than it's become a hospital. And they're more about preserving. And they're actually dying. The church is in decline because of the church group. And I don't want to speak ill of anybody in the room. But if, if your desire is to preserve, then we're going to die doing that. We're just going to age out. And so let's live. Let's live with faith. And that, that missional group is that group that's saying we are about the mission. We're about the, 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 the people that don't know Jesus yet. We're about doing what Jesus came to do. And that was to seek and save the lost. It's to go after people who have yet to understand the love, grace, and forgiveness of Jesus. And when we get there, it's going to be powerful. Paul goes on to say, rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is actually a quote from the book of Isaiah way back in history. And Isaiah said very much the same thing. It says, and this is about a prophecy of Jesus. Isaiah 52, it says this, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up, highly exalted. Does that sound like anybody you know? Jesus. All right. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. And and so this is the effect that Jesus has. And then it says, for what they were not told, they will see and what they have not heard, they will understand. This is the power of bringing Jesus to light in people's lives. When we come along, this is why, we're, this is why journey is so uh, significant. If you see, an, uh, is the journey image up there? Yeah. So if you see that image up there on the left little triangle, that, that space actually has a meaning. And the meaning of that is to meet, like what we're doing right now. There's a meeting right there. Up in the upper triangle, that one is to model to model our lives after the life and likeness of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we're going to take his word, put it into our hearts, and become more like Christ. Okay? So we have meet, we have model. Over on the right triangle, we have mingle. The idea of mingle is to get together in smaller groups and grow and live and, uh, live and grow together in Christ. So small groups is a key part of any healthy church. Uh, the larger we get, the smaller we must get. So the larger we get, the smaller we get. Because if we don't have that intimacy, then our, our depth is this. We might be this wide, but we'll only be this deep. And that's why we have to, in small groups, you go deeper. 
And that's why small groups and journey groups are significant. That's why we invite everybody to join us. We'd love 100% participation on a Wednesday night at 6.30. Eventually, we'll have groups where um, journey groups will meet any time of the week outside of the building. But um, for now, what we're doing is kind of setting up a foundation of understanding what our core uh, beliefs are, our core practices, is which, which we'll start on the 15th, and then eventually we'll talk about our, <clears throat> our core, um, I lost the word, it'll come to me. So the bottom, on the bottom there, so we have meet, we have model, we have mingle, and then on the bottom we have merge. We want to merge into the lives of other people that don't know Jesus. And when we merge into their lives, we come into their circumstance, we come into their lives, and we, we uh, maybe hopefully invited, hopefully they've invited you in, and they've said, yeah, come along, and you bring Jesus with you. Now that could mean anything from you just come along and serve, you come along and hang out. It does mean maybe your, your, your buddies at work say, hey, let's go to the bar after work, and you say, okay. The answer used to be for church people, I'm not going to do that. That's a den of the devil. No. If you read scripture, you'll find that Jesus was criticized for hanging out with sinners. And I want to be criticized for hanging out with people that need Jesus. I don't want to be criticized by people who know Jesus that I shouldn't be hanging out with people that need Jesus. And if they want to criticize me, go right ahead. Because I unapologetically, if I need to read that first statement again, I won't do that. But I unapologetically am committed to merge my life into those that have yet to experience the love, grace, and forgiveness of Christ. And we as a church will unapologetically do that. So I hope and pray that you'll be found in places not sinning, not sinning. We don't go there to sin. We go there to be a light in a dark place. And I hope and pray that you're praying about a dark spot that you can go shine your light in. And just hang out with friends, family, coworkers, whoever it might be that you can share Jesus with. And lastly, he says this. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. I, this, this statement rocked my world. It messed me up. It, it, it really actually, uh, I believe, has transformed my thinking about ministry. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. I love Paul's passion here. He says, listen, my calling is more important than my comfort. If I came to you, it would be great. We would have a good time. I, I would be coming to Christian people who already know and understand Jesus. And I love you. I care about you. You're a church that I, I raised up, Paul's saying to the Romans. He says, but let me, let me just say, and he said it all in this, this statement. What's more important is that I fulfill my calling. What's a priority is that I do what I've been called to do. And when we commit to doing what God has called us to do, things change. Lives change. Hearts change. <clears throat> Circumstance. Families change. You want to you help the family next to you, maybe your neighbor that's going through a divorce? Bring Jesus into that situation. 
That's, your, that's their best chance of su- success. But who's going to do that? It's got to be you and me. I hope and pray. You don't need permission, but I'll use the word. You have permission to skip church to hang out with people that don't know Jesus. If they call up on a Sunday morning and say, man, we got a, we got a party going on this, this, this Sunday and we'd love to hang out with you and we'd love to, 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 to be with you and, and, and you're like, no, I got to go to church, man. And you skip an opportunity to hang out with people that don't know Jesus. Don't do that. That's why uh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of uh, New Year's Eve parties as a church. Not a, not a fan of that. Why gather all the candles together and have a good party? We would have a good time all together because you're fun people. Love hanging out with you. But why gather all the candles when we could go out and be light in different places in our community, hanging out with people in, from our neighborhoods, hanging out with our coworkers, whatever. If, if your company's doing a New Year's Eve party, show up to that. And I understand other churches do those kinds of things, but that's okay. That's up to them. But here, here's my heart. We won't do things like that. We won't have a New Year's Eve party because I would rather have you out there than in here. My actual passion is to have us outside of this building far more than we're inside of it. That when we gather on this weekend, when we gather on a Sunday or whatever, if we start multiple services, that we will always have more to do out there than we do in here. These are meaningful and important, and we'll talk about them in two weeks. We'll talk about these meetings on Sundays but, and, and whatever other day we, we do church. But the, the power of uh, being outside these walls means that we're taking our candles out there, our light out there, and making a difference. Does that make sense? All right. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. What hinders us from other distractions? What hinders us from uh, getting distracted? Are we passionate about who we are and what we're about? What keeps us from doing things that will not have an eternal value? What keeps us? Do we understand who we are and what we're about? What keeps us from those we are most comfortable around? I, I, the honest truth is, I, I want to hang out with people I know more than people I don't know. But most people I know are Christian. But I have to make myself uncomfortable, don't I? I have to get in places where I don't know the people. And I have to love them, care about them, and, and, and genuinely, authentically, don't make people a project. Just love them. Love them. Be there. Bring Jesus with you. And you'll make a difference. What will move us to choose discomfort over comfort? Our mission, our passion. What will inspire us to value those who have yet to experience the love, grace, and forgiveness of Jesus? Our mission, our passion. I want to be like Paul. I want our church to be like Paul. Where we embrace the call of God. To say, yes, God, I will do whatever it takes. I like what one pastor says. We'll do everything short of sin to reach those who have yet to experience Jesus in their lives. I agree with that statement. Let's do it. Let's commit as a church to do whatever it takes short of sin to reach lost people for Jesus.
to reach those who have yet to experience his love, grace, and forgiveness. And when we do, when we do, church, it will be an unimaginable joy, a fun experience. There's so much joy in seeing people come to Jesus. I was blessed to be part of a church that doubled in size in seven years. From 1,700 people to 3,500 people in seven years. We had mass baptisms where we were baptizing 250 people at a time. It was amazing. When we left, we, uh, our goal was to, to live like the New Testament lived. That um, We could say that it, on average, a person a day got saved. Because the Bible says that the, and people were added to their number daily. Well, we were just hoping, and baptisms are the best way to, to, to see that happen. And so um, we, we were fortunate when, we, when I left to see 365 people in that one year baptized. And uh, we were just so celebrating the fact that we reached that goal to see that many people come to Christ and make a public confession of their faith. We had a lot of other people say yes, but that, that baptism really solidifies that, that statement. And so I pray and hope that you will, we will, make this commitment, that this will become our passion verse. Take it and put it on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, put wherever it's gonna remind you, put a, a reminder in your, in your uh, phone that it pops up every day, that you can read it over and over and over again. And hopefully, you'll be hindered by doing something comfortable to do something uncomfortable. That you'll be hindered to do what God's called you to do rather than to do what's comfortable to do. Does that make sense? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for making us a priority. You sent your only son to die on a cross, to sacrifice his life so that we could experience the love of Jesus. You sent your only son. Your priority was a relationship with us. And Lord, we want to emulate that priority in our lives, in our circumstances, in our situations. I pray, Father, for every person in this room that we would have the joy of understanding who you've made us to be and to be that for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that every heart in this room would emulate the passion of Paul. And the commitment that Jesus made as he came to this earth and became a man so that we could have redemption. Help us, God, to emulate that same uh, uh, commitment, that same passion, that same desire. And help us, Lord, to be hindered. Hindered not, uh, <clears throat> not from the mission, but from the comfort that we often choose. Help us not to become a museum for saints, but help us to be a hospital for sinners. Help us, God, to be in the mess of people's lives so that we can bring Jesus there with us. Lord, I pray for each person in this room that your Holy Spirit right now would speak into the hearts and lives of every person. God, giving us that, that sense of calling, that sense of purpose, that sense of value to this world. Lord, for every one of us who fulfills our purpose becomes incredibly valuable to everybody around us. Because, Lord, they need the best us. They need the best us that emulates you to this world. And I pray for every heart right now. I prayed and asked God, what, 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 what does an altar call look like here? And honestly, he just said, there isn't one. It's not good enough to come forward 
what we must do is go out. So I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to walk out these doors and be what we've talked about. Be on mission. Follow after God. Discover who God has made you to be. Look at your giftings and your shape and your abilities and be what Jesus wants you to be to this world. That's the best altar that we could fall on right now is to go out and do what Jesus has called us to do. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you're here and you're a guest and you're visiting and, and, and you've discovered this morning that God has a call on your life. And the first step is to accept his love and grace and forgiveness for your life. If you're here and you don't have that relationship with him, now I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, just please pray for me. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to follow after him. And I want to accept him as my savior and redeemer of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I pray that everybody in this room has accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for Journey Church Ventura that this passion verse would shape our hearts, shape our passions, shape our motives, shape our, our, our calendars, shape our finances, shape our relationships, shape our, our, our values in every way so that we can become more like you to this world and that we will be effective in reaching this world for Christ. I thank you so much for the example of Paul and I pray that you raise up in us a passion like Paul and a commitment like Jesus and that we would become more and more like you every single day. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Journey Church Ventura. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.